Good morning. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to see you this morning and, uh, and to be with you in worship. I'm going to ask you to do something that I haven't asked you to do in a very long time, and that is to find the, the attendance pads that are in the pews. There are attendance pads at the end of each pew, and uh, if you would uh, pick that up and fill it out and pass it along, uh, the people who have been taking attendance as you come in are very relieved not to have to do that anymore. But we do still want to know who's here, so if you would please take the time to pass those pads and uh, record your presence here with us this morning. This is Communion Sunday. We are still using these uh, prepackaged communion kits uh, at the request of our bishop, and we still have plenty of them left to, to go through. So we're going to continue using these through the summer. So hopefully you got yours when you came in. They are on the table out in the narthex. If you didn't get one when you came in, you're welcome to, to just go out to the narthex and get one and come back in. When we uh, come to the time of communion, if you haven't been here since we've used these, they're, they're a little bit tricky. They're, the, the bread is just a, a thin wafer right on the top, and there's a very sheer, clear plastic that holds that. So when it's time for the bread, you take that sheer plastic off for, first. Uh, for the bread, and then the uh, other seal is for the juice. So you'll have those when we come to communion at the end of the service. The UMW is doing a carnation sale for Father's Day. Uh, Father's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks, and they are going to be uh, selling carnations. They're, they're collecting the orders and the money for that. Now there's a bo box out in the narthex, and you just fill out your form and put your money in a sealed envelope with the form and, and drop that in the box. It's $1.50 for each of the carnations. You can get those in honor of somebody or in memory of somebody for Father's Day. And uh, finally, I just want to let you know that next Sunday is the return of family night here at Faith Community Church. We're going to have a family night next Sunday at 5 o'clock. And when I say family we're all church family, so it's, I'm not just talking about people with kids or grandkids. All of us are invited and encouraged to come to family night next Sunday at 5 o'clock in the community center. We're going to have uh, hot dogs and, and chips and, and uh, hopefully some cake. And uh, we're also, uh, during that time, going to have a send-off for Ben and Jennifer Webster, uh, our leaders of the contemporary service, the following Sunday is going to be their last Sunday here with us as Ben is moving on to be pastor of St. Paul United Methodist in Dayton. And so since the following Sunday is their last Sunday, we wanted to be sure to have a send-off for them. So that we're going to do that during family night uh, next uh, Sunday at 5 o'clock. So join us for that. We are here to worship our God, and so I invite you into an attitude of worship, and I invite you to stand as you're able for the call to worship. Good morning. As Pastor Andy said, it's, it's good to see all of you, and I know for many of you, it's just good to be seen. So we thank God for that. If you would join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. On this new morning and in every moment of our lives, gracious God, from generation to generation, we praise your holy name. Like our ancestors before us, we proclaim your greatness to our children. For we have seen your deeds of power and witnessed your goodness in our lives. As you have opened your hand to all, satisfying the desire of every living thing. Open our hearts 
so that we might share the gifts we have received from you. Let us worship God in gratitude and joy. And we'll join together in our opening hymn, Come Christians, join to sing number 158. At this time, will you join with me in our opening prayer? You have, you have brought, brought us to yourself, yourself, O Lord. Lord. You, you have, have given, given us the gift of faith. Your, your mercies toward us are more, more than, than we could ever hope to deserve. We stand in awe before you today, offering our, our gifts, our hearts, our abilities, and our worship. Come, Come now, O Holy, Holy One. One and, and make, make us fully your own, own through Jesus Christ, Christ our, our Lord. Lord. Amen. Amen. At this time, Rhonda and Virginia are going to come up here, and they are going to make a presentation for our acolytes. So some of you may be wondering, what is an acolyte at Faith Community United Methodist Church? It's a, it's a young person who serves the Lord by bringing the light of Jesus into the church sanctuary and lighting the altar candles during worship. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
The presence of this light reminds us of Jesus coming into our world and into our lives. The light is carried into worship service as a symbol of Jesus coming into the presence of the worshiping community. Jesus brought light into the world, not by carrying a torch, but by the messages in his lessons. He made people see the way we should live our lives. Today, we use candles in church as a symbol of Jesus being with us and teaching us so that we may see his way to live. Being an acolyte is a meaningful way for children to actively participate in worship by learning to serve God, learning to be a participating member of our church, learning to be responsible for acolyte duties, and learning to feel the warmth of giving. At this time, I'd like to ask anybody who has ever served as an acolyte to please stand. It doesn't matter if it was 50 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. At this time, we'd like to recognize these young people who serve as acolytes in this church. Austin Barone. Devin Botorf. Micah Fleming. Morgan Fleming. Katherine Mossing, William Mossing, AJ Trent, and Zach Wagner. Let's all show them our appreciation for him. I invite you now to uh, prepare for uh, our time of prayer as we sing together our prayer hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. It's in the hymnal number 399. Let us sing together. i 
that you will take us, take our lives, take our voices, take our feet, take our strength, take our will, take it all, Lord, consecrate it all to your service, Lord. Thank you for the wonderful privilege of being able to come before you in worship, not because we are worthy, Lord, but because you are so good so gracious and loving that you have forgiven us all of our sin, washed it away, made us pure and holy in Jesus Christ so that we could be in your presence, Lord. Thank you for that relationship that you provide for us by your own good grace. Lord, thank you for all of the ways that people serve you through the ministries of this church. Thank you, Lord, for acolytes who bring the light of Christ into our presence. Thank you for ushers and singers and people that work in the office and people that do things that that aren't even seen but are done in service to you to build up your family of faith so that we can be strengthened in our faith, so that we can live a life that is glorifying of you, so that we can share the gospel with others. Lord, bless us all in our service to you. Continue to pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on this church to be your holy people. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, whom you sent to make this all possible, Jesus the Christ as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I I 
thank those of you who have uh, been so faithful in your offerings during the time that we haven't been able to pass the offering plates in worship. But uh, I think it is significant and important to pass the offering plates in worship because worship is presenting ourselves to God, offering ourselves to God. And a part of that is offering our resources to God. And so it is good to be able to pass the plates this morning and, and to present ourselves fully to God. And I pray that you will be doing that as you, as you give your offering. It will be an offering of yourself. Will the ushers come to receive the plates? Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Bless these gifts, gracious God, and bless all those who will be served because of them. We bring these offerings because we hope for more in the days ahead. We hope for a stronger church, a more compassionate world, and a time of peace. Shape us through our giving into people more faithful to your word, and a people full of joy and good news. We dedicate them along with our lives 
and all that we are. Bless the lives of all your children. Amen. Please be seated.
Our scripture lesson for today is taken from Judges chapter 13, verses 2 through 7 and 24. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren, having borne no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Although you are barren, having borne no children, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now be careful not to drink wine or strong drink or to eat anything unclean, for you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor is to come on his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth. It is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like that of an angel of God, most awe-inspiring. I did not ask him where he came from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, You shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine nor strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth to the day of his death. The woman bore a son and named him Samson. The boy grew, and the Lord blessed him. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanen between Zorah and Eshtael. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. If it weren't for the fact that uh, you just heard the scripture reading, I'd be tempted to test you and see how many people knew where in the Bible you could find the story of Samson. How many of you already knew where it was? A few. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those stories that, that most of us who grew up in the churches as kids, uh, we kind of know it. We, at least we know about the long hair and uh, the superhuman strength. We know not to trust Delilah. But, but where it fits in in the larger scheme of things and, and what the story is really all about, those facts might escape a lot of people. It's a fascinating tale, one that I really wanted to delve into a few months ago when we were doing our Tales I Was Told series, but I knew I couldn't do justice to the story in just one week, so I decided to wait until we could spend a little more time on this one. So this week we begin the story of Samson, whose story is told in the Old Testament book of Judges. Now when you hear that word judges, most of us think of a long-robed person sitting on a high bench behind a large desk at the front of a courtroom passing judgment on people, rendering verdicts on legal cases. That's not the way the Old Testament uses the word judge, although one of the judges, Deborah, does spend some time arbitrating cases between people. That's not really their primary function. The word judge in Hebrew means something like ruler or leader. These people that, that the book of Judges tells about were leaders of Israel, not really religious leaders, not like priests or prophets, nor were they political leaders like a king or a governor. They were more like a military leader, people that God raised up to fight back the encroaching armies of the threatening enemies. The book of Judges takes place during an in-between period for the people of Israel. This is after the Hebrew people have settled into the Promised Land and made their home there. 
but before they were a kingdom. It's after Joshua, who had led them into the conquest of the promised land, Joshua has died, but before they have a king to rule over them. There was this period of about 300 years in between when Joshua died and when Saul was anointed, the first king of Israel. And during that 300 years, there was no official leader of Israel, per se. It was God's intention that he would be their leader, their only leader, that, that the law that he had delivered to Moses atop Mount Sinai would be their law. That didn't go over so well with the people. It's kind of like when the teacher leaves the classroom and doesn't leave anyone in charge. You know somebody's going to act up. And that's exactly what happened. The, the people who had crossed the Jordan River with Joshua and fought the battles to take control of the land, who knew firsthand what God had done to deliver them, that whole generation had passed away. Judges chapter 2 says another generation grew up after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, worshiped the Baals. They fell prey to the ways of the culture around them. They gave in to idolatry and sin. And so they began to be overtaken, overtaken by the other nations, the ones that they were supposed to have driven out, but who instead they succumbed to. Then God would raise up a judge. He would raise up a mighty warrior who would lead them in battle, defend them against the enemy, reestablish their place in the land. And then the cycle would start all over again. They would fall away from God again. They would suffer humiliating defeat again. God would raise up a judge to win the battle again. It's somewhere in the middle of that cycle that we find the story of Samson. Samson's story begins, as with so many others throughout the Word of God, with a miraculous conception and birth. As with Sarah, the wife of Abraham, as with Rachel, the wife of Jacob, like Hannah, the mother of Samuel, like Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, this story begins with a barren wife. Her husband's name is Manoah. The Bible doesn't tell us her name. It simply tells us Manoah's wife was barren. An angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and told her that she would conceive and bear a son. Now, we know that there will be something very special about this child. This kind of announcement, this kind of miraculous conception doesn't happen for just anyone. God intervenes in, in a miraculous way for a purpose. Isaac, the son of Sarah, was the child of promise through whom the covenant of Abraham would be passed on. Joseph, the child of Rachel, would be the one to save God's people from famine. Samuel would establish the kingdom by anointing the first kings. John the Baptist would be the forerunner of Jesus, the Christ. The story of Samson begins just like all of these others. So you know that he's going to be someone special. But the angel says even more than that. The angel tells the woman not to drink any, strong, any wine or any strong drink, to allow no razor to touch the child's hair, for the boy, says the angel, shall be a Nazarite from birth. The word Nazarite in Hebrew means one who is consecrated or set apart for a holy purpose. There's an entire chapter of the law, Numbers chapter 6, that details the regulations of, of someone being designated as a Nazarite. And there are three main provisions for being a Nazarite. One, 
is to abstain from wine or any strong drink or anything else that, that comes from a grapevine. The second provision is that the hair is not to be cut throughout the time of consecration. And the third is that the Nazarite is not to come into contact with a dead body. Even if their own parent should die while he is a Nazarite, he must not come near them. These are the commitments that one made when taking the vows to become a Nazarite. They were vows that were generally taken by an adult, as an adult, not usually for life. Being a Nazarite was normally for a designated period of time, sort of like when you give up something for Lent. It doesn't mean you can never have that thing again, but you commit to giving it up for a designated period to, to show that you are consecrating yourself to God. The law in number six is specific, not just about the vows to be taken by a Nazarite, but also what happens at the end of the period of being a Nazarite, when the time of consecration has ended, what one has to go through if one of the vows is broken during the time of consecration, before it has ended. What's unique about Samson is that the angel tells the woman that the child shall be a Nazarite from birth. And then the woman says to her husband that the boy shall be a Nazarite until the day of his death. For Samson, this is a lifetime consecration. He is to be a Nazarite. He, he is to be set apart for God from birth until death. What's more, the angel tells the, the woman why Samson is to be a Nazarite. You see, when people took the vows of, of a Nazarite, they did so for a specific time and for a particular purpose. Perhaps one was going into battle or was setting out on a holy mission, or, or was called to a special season of prayer. When someone consecrated himself, or herself, the law allowed for women to be Nazarites too, when, when someone became a Nazarite, it was so that they could be fully devoted to whatever it is that God was calling them to for that season. Even before his birth, the angel told Samson's mother what that holy purpose was. For her son. It is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Samson was to be the next great judge that would defend Israel against their enemies. There's one more thing I want to point out about the beginning of Samson's story, and then con consider how this relates to Jesus and, and to us, the people of the New Testament. At the end of Judges chapter 13, after we're told that Samson was born and grew and was blessed by God, the last verse of the chapter says, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit the, these past few weeks, last week being Trinity Sunday, the week before that being Pentecost. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is given to all who believe in Christ. The Holy Spirit is God dwelling in us, giving us, gifting us with his peace and his power. But even before Pentecost, even before the earthly life of Jesus, even from the beginning of time, the Holy Spirit was active. He was active even in creation. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit moving and working in certain individuals. He was not yet poured out upon all true believers. There, there really were no true believers yet. Christ hadn't come in the flesh so that he could reveal the way of the gospel, the way of the cross, the way of life. 
The Holy Spirit did not live within Samson or, or any other human prior to the time of Jesus, but he most certainly did work within certain people. Samuel, the prophet, was moved by the Spirit. Saul, the first king, a couple of times was caught up in the Spirit, given the gift of prophecy. And here in the book of Judges, we see that Samson, a Nazarite to God, a man set apart for God, consecrated to God's purpose from before his birth, Samson was stirred by the Spirit. As you read the rest of Samson's story in the next few chapters, you see that the Spirit of the Lord, it is the Spirit of the Lord that gives Samson his great strength. It is the Spirit of the Lord that works through him to win battles. It's the Spirit of the Lord that accomplishes God's work in him. And it was so that the Spirit of the Lord could stir in him and work through him that Samson was consecrated, set apart as a Nazarite to God from birth. Now to the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 2.23, says of Jesus, He made his home in a town called Nazareth so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The linguistic link there is not direct. Nazarene and Nazarite are not the same word. They don't mean the same thing. And Jesus was certainly not a Nazarite according to the legal code of Numbers chapter 6. Remember, a Nazarite is defined by not cutting their hair, abstaining from all wine, and staying clear of all corpses. We don't know how Jesus wore his hair. The Bible doesn't give us that detail. But it does tell us that he drank wine with his disciples it does tell us that, that he came near corpses on more than one occasion, Jairus' daughter, Lazarus being two obvious examples. No, Jesus was not a Nazarite in that sense. But in calling him a Nazarene and taking that back to the Old Testament prophets as Matthew does, I do think Matthew wants us to make a connection here. After all, Jesus was set apart. Jesus was consecrated as the Holy One of God from before his birth and throughout his life. And the very next story that Matthew tells us is of his baptism at the Jordan River where the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus as a dove and the voice from heaven proclaimed, This is my Son, my Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Consecration to God, the movement of the Holy Spirit, God working his plan out in and through his chosen one. That's what, it, that's what being a Nazarite is all about. So in that sense, Jesus was a Nazarite. And in that sense, all of us who follow him, all of us who profess our faith in him, all of us who, who are consecrated to him for God's purpose, all of us who are made holy in him are Nazarites too. Not according to the legal code of, of Numbers 6, of course. You can still drink some wine as long as you're over 21 and not an alcoholic. You, you can go to the visiting time before a funeral and say goodbye to the body if you want. And if your mom says, cut your hair, then by golly, cut your hair. It, it's not adherence to a legal code that makes us holy. It is Christ that makes us holy in Christ, we are set apart. In Christ, we are consecrated, made holy to God. In Christ, God has chosen us 
for a special, sacred purpose. Before we were even born, God had a plan for us. In our baptism, God laid claim on us, saying, this is my beloved child whom I love, in whom I am well pleased, in whom my spirit will do my work. And this is a lifetime, indeed, an eternal consecration. Like Samson and and really all the people in the book of Judges, we too are living in an in-between time. Jesus has already ushered in the kingdom, but we are not yet with him in glory. Jesus has already defeated death, but still for now, we dwell in mortal bodies. Evil has already been defeated, but sin is still close at hand. The ways of the world continue to press in upon us. During this season of in-between living, God calls us to be His Nazarites, to be His consecrated ones, to be separated out from the world, set apart for God. And it's not by our power that we accomplish His will for us. It is by His Holy Spirit that stirs within us, just as He stirred Samson all those years ago. So may we live as His holy people. May we continue to consecrate ourselves unto Him, set apart for His purpose, empowered by His Spirit, until we take our last breath here on earth and on into glory. Amen. We have the opportunity and the privilege now of sharing in the sacrament of Holy Communion. And so I invite you now to join with me in the prayer of the great thanksgiving. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, 
to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I invite you now to take the bread. The body of Christ, broken for you, take and eat in remembrance of him. The cup of salvation poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ. Take and drink in remembrance of him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Thank you for your sacrifice which washes away all sin, makes us clean and holy. Continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, this day and always. Amen. I invite you now to stand as you are able for our closing hymn, which is number 672 in the hymnal. God be with you till we meet again.
be with you till we meet again. Go now in the love of God the Father, the peace of God the Son, the fellowship and communion of God the Holy Spirit. Amen.